Daniel chapter 6. Today we're going to prepare for tough times. And so what are those tough times we are preparing for? What's going to happen in the future? Some of you are going, is there something I don't know about? Uh, There probably is something you don't know about. There are probably a lot of things you don't know about, and myself as well. Uh, What what are we going to have to prepare for? I I think that, how many of you are are kind of preppers? You kind of, come on, you can put your hand up a little bit. Some of you got that patriot food that lasts like 100 years or something like that, stored in your attic and... Uh, some of your military people, you just got the, I think they're called MREs or something like that. And you go, I, I, you know, I ate these in uh, the desert, and so they're good enough for me here too. And, you know, uh, you're kind of preppers. Some of you have water because uh, you've been in California, and water seems like a good thing. We're in the desert, right? You know, and uh, there might be earthquakes. And somehow when there's earthquakes, you don't have water. I don't, I don't know how that all goes together. But uh, so you, do, do any of you have a, a generator? Any of you have a generator? Some of you are fancy. You even have it hooked up to your house. You don't do the, the power cord thing. I think I have like 500 feet of power cord just going the spider web. One of these days, I'm going to get that all hooked up and really cool. Like, and, uh, I'll be looking forward to the power going out. Anyways, uh, you think about the different things. How about economic collapse? Uh, do you know that the dollar could be worth nothing? It kind of is worth nothing, but we just don't know it yet. Uh, and we're switching it around and stuff, and you think it's worth $10, and I think it's worth $10, and so it's fine. But what if one of us doesn't think it's worth $10? Uh, you say, well, we can go get the gold. You look for that gold, okay? Uh, it's as close as the end of the rainbow, right? Um, you, you think about all these different things that could happen. What about our, our military? Is our military pr- protecting us? I have, we have a lot of military connections here in the church, and I appreciate when you men tell me uh, that we're doing fine, we're doing great. But what happens when uh, China gets the F-37 or something like that? And you say, there is no F-37. That's what you think, (laughs) right? Maybe they're going to get something bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, Or maybe there's going to be a sub out uh, in the Atlantic or the Pacific or somehow. Yeah, what, what? You think of all the things that could happen. I'm not trying to raise your blood pressure, by the way. I have other things I could say to do that, but I'm just going to leave it there. What are we prepping for? Uh, this, is, this is kind of what we're going to be talking about today, really. Not what are we prepping for, because I don't think we can figure that out. But I do know this, that we can be prepared for whatever comes. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. In Daniel chapter 6, uh, we tried to take all of it last week, but I want to finish this up because I think it ties in greatly to being prepared, greatly uh, to being prepared. And then I have a list of uh, 9, 10, or 11, or 12, depending on how we're doing, um, of things, how to be prepared for tough times ahead. Um, Last week, I want to correct something I said last week that I, I, I told you that um, plywood was $50 a sheet last week. And I went into Home Depot on Monday and it was $55 a sheet, okay? Uh, and I thought, whoa, whoa. Um, there might be a black market for plywood here somehow. Anyways, um, what was I talking about? The Bible. Uh, Daniel chapter 6. Got it. Daniel and the lion's den. 
Uh, you remember last week, if you were here, uh, Daniel was in the lion's den, and I would say old Daniel was in the lion's den. Uh, he was an old man uh, who would not swerve from his spiritual habit of prayer, even against uh, a law that was made against him, a law of the Medes and the Persians uh, that would could not be changed. And so Daniel got thrown in the lion's den, and it says that God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions uh, so that he was unharmed, and then all his accusers got thrown in there uh, with their wives and children, and uh, the lions did a job on them. Um, and so we come to uh, this morning, we, we just want to see really uh, Darius, his response to what God had done for Daniel. So if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 25. God's word says this, Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in, the, in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, People are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel uh, from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. God, thank you. Thank you for your kindness to us, your mercy. Thank you that you are a God who is above all. Uh, God, help us to be prepared for the days ahead. God, I, I, I struggle, uh, as, as all do, uh, wondering what comes next, wondering what event is significant and what is not. I struggle with knowing how to uh, prepare for the days ahead. God, help us all to gain clarity with what it is to live in our time and our place today as we seek to serve you, trusting you for the days ahead. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We, we come to uh, look at what Darius, the king, the pagan king, uh, and and this has been a theme from the book of Daniel over and over again, that kings say stuff about Daniel's God. Daniel's God. Think about that. That the kings, the pagan kings, the kings of Babylon, would say things about Daniel's God. And this is really the, uh, the third king uh, that we see in the book of Daniel, and really the fourth one as we look it doesn't give us much information about Cyrus, but we know that he was the king after Darius. In verse 25, uh, we see a picture of the God of Daniel. And I, I think this is an important picture for us to get, that, that you need to realize that as uh, people are watching your life, and not just watching your life, but watching your life under pressure, they're seeing a picture of your God. They're, they're seeing the attributes of God in your life. Think about that. Uh, if someone wandered around and followed and watched you for a day, or even better, if they could 
you know, stick a probe or something in your brain and knew what you were thinking and could tell what your blood pressure was and the, while you're watching the news or if you're taking phone calls or reading texts or getting information about what's going on, what would they know about your God? How would they uh, describe him? Well, let me tell you about Kevin's God or Daniel's God or, you know, Mary's God. Or you think through what they would see about you, but not just about you, but who you're trusting in. This is the description after uh, Darius saw that Daniel, the old guy, uh, was in his, uh, he, he prayed three times a day. He did it all the time. It was what he, it was his practice. And as he prayed, knowing, after knowing that the law had been signed, the rings had said it's going to happen, uh, they watched his life and he went about the, the same course. He went, went to prayer again. And, and what happened was the king saw it, uh, his accusers saw it, really probably the word spread out from there. Did you, did you know what Daniel did? He's going to get thrown in the lion's den. Hey, let's go watch. Because that's what people do. They love watching stuff like that. Uh, you say, no, you don't. Yeah, think about what's on TV right now and Hulu and Netflix and all those other disgusting things, you know. And people love it. They love it. Um, and so they, they heard about what Daniel was doing, but they were learning about his God. And let's see what uh, Darius says. And, and it's interesting as it, Darius sees himself as the king of the whole world. And so he is proclaiming out from there uh, to all people uh, what he's making a decree that they would all know uh, what he is thinking. Peace be multiplied to you. End of verse 25, and he says, verse 26, I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people, this, this is what I want to see happen throughout my reign, verse 26, I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. What he's saying is he starts to shift his focus to the God of Daniel, what he sees in him. And, and I love this because uh, we don't know about the faith of Darius, but undoubtedly kings struggle being narcissistic and the idea of seeing themselves as God themselves. And so what does he say? He says, I want to make a decree. I'm, I'm so powerful. I'm going to tell everyone what to do. Fear the God of Daniel. Fear and tremble before him. And what he's saying is really the picture of the Old Testament, especially as you think through Proverbs, calls us to fear God, fear God. And some of us struggle with that, this idea, oh, I like to see him as a loving God. He is a loving God. Uh, if he didn't love you, he wouldn't have sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. But he is a God of holiness and, and power and strength and to be feared above all. That he is the God above all. And what we see here is Darius is getting a glimpse of that. And he's acknowledging that. And he sends out this letter or decree to all the people, a nation's language that dwell on the earth. And I think it's interesting that he says in my royal dominion, he's going to come back to this theme. The, the, the idea of dominion as being ruler. I'm the ruler over all. And so you have to listen to me. Fear 
fear the God of Daniel. Secondly, he says this. Uh, he, he, uh, he says, fear, fear to tremble before the God of Daniel. Flipping the page in my Bible. Um, for he is the living God, the living God. And as he says living God, undoubtedly the Babylonians, and he was familiar with different gods that had been made up. They were statues or, or they were wooden images or poles or whatever. And, and he knew that they were made and they were dead. They were not living. They were not something that had life and power and connection with what is going on today. He is uh, the living God, not fake, but alive and active. He's not just the living God, but he is the forever God. He says, uh, for he's the living God, enduring forever. Think about the time of Daniel, and even as an old guy, uh, what did he know about kings? Kings come and go. (laughs) They just come and go. Uh, And he'd outlasted a bunch of them in captivity, in captivity. Uh, You see this, and it's an amazing picture that Daniel is just faithfully going about being God's man in Babylon, in captivity, and kings are coming and going. And so uh, he says, you know, he's the living God. Darius acknowledges that God is the living God, the God of Daniel, but also the forever God and will be forever. He looks out past his life, and he realizes that this God whom Daniel served, protected him in the lion's den, He will be past my uh, existence. He will. He says, uh, living God, forever God. And and, and he speaks now of his kingdom. And he says, his kingdom, meaning Daniel's God's kingdom, shall never be destroyed. Never be destroyed. Uh, We're going to get into that in the chapters to come. But you, you remember as... Uh, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and this dream was about Babylon. It was about Greece, right? It, it was about uh, the, the Roman Empire and, and how they were all, the, the Medes and the Persians, and these four empires that would come and go. And even as they knew that in history, that kingdoms come and go, he says, no, not this one. That this kingdom will, will not be replaced. You think about... Uh, why kingdoms fall. They're overthrown, right? They're, they they uh, become insignificant. You have the fall of Jerusalem, which goes to Babylon, right? The, and then you have the fall of Babylon. Then you have the fall of Greece. And then you have the fall of Rome. And then you might have the fall of U.S. And then you might have the fall of Russia and maybe even China. But know this, the God of Daniel, his God, his kingdom will not be replaced. In the end, it will stand secure forever. And in this, he he says this, and his dominion shall be to the end. Uh, He he talked about his dominion over the the kingdoms of the earth, but now he says the kingdom, uh, Daniel's dominion, that word for ruling over, ruling over, it shall be to the end. And so, so that you, you get this picture from Darius, right? From Darius of the God of Daniel. That the king and the kingdom are better than anything. Uh, they don't compare to anything that he has seen, even his own kingdom, uh, undoubtedly, which he loves. 
he goes from there and he turns to uh, really the significant events. He sees this generally about the character of Daniel's God, but now he turns to the event of the, the lion's den, okay? And he says this, he, meaning the God of Daniel, is the one who delivers and rescues. The one who delivers and rescues. What a picture, right? That uh, in the midst of just everyday life, and in Daniel's everyday life, what happened? Well, he got thrown into the lion's den. It was a bad day, right? Uh, he got thrown into the lion's den, and, and God was active in that. He was the one who delivered and rescued. And, and this is the thing that... Uh, is so important as we think about, they were in captivity, right? They, they were not in power. They didn't have rights. What if we don't have rights? As a good American kid uh, growing up in Santa Barbara, um, you know, we, in elementary school, I remember, I don't know how American kids get this, but they just do, okay? They just know about freedom and stuff. And I remember on the playground and... Uh, you know, you'd say something rude to somebody else, and they say, you can't say that. And you say, I have a right of free speech. It's my right. Little kids in Santa Barbara even knew that, right? You know? Uh, they talked about rights, and you can't make me do that. And I have rights as a citizen, and you know, all this stuff. And, and what if you don't have rights? I want to tell you, Daniel did not have rights. He didn't have them. But even then, who needs rights when you have a rescue and a deliverer? A God who is over all. He, uh, he wasn't trusting, you know, uh, I think about what, what we trust in. We trust in our education. We're really smart. I have a bunch of degrees, right? Uh, you say, well, I, I've been to school. I, I graduated from high school. I'm really smart. I had a great GPA and I went to this college and that college and I got this master's or this doctorate or whatever is after a doctorate. I don't know. Um, I, I'm really smart. I trust in my education. I want to tell you, Daniel did not trust in his education around the lions. He didn't have a way to put him in a trance or something like that. It wasn't his education that saved him that day. It, it wasn't anything. It wasn't his education. It wasn't his family name. He didn't say, you know, I'm one of God's people from Jerusalem. Come from a really smart family. We're a big deal. Uh, uh, the lions weren't interested. They weren't interested. They were wondering if he was tender. You know, he wasn't, by the way, because he was an old guy. Uh, wasn't his family name. He didn't have a great strategy, and he wasn't prepared. He wasn't prepared. He, he didn't have the, the armor. He didn't have the, the equipment. He wasn't prepared. But in the end, he did just fine. Why? Because of his rescue as deliverer. It says that, that God, Daniel's God was the deliverer, the rescuer, and that same God works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. And, and what that means is this, that as Darius looked upon Daniel, he says, something else is going on here. Something else is going on. That, that Daniel's God is somehow at work doing stuff right now. That he is actively involved in whatever is going on. We thought, we made this law, the Medes and the Persians, it's kind of a big deal. We know the lions, they're for a purpose. We throw them in there. We were doing stuff and it still didn't work out. Daniel's God 
was doing things, both in what we're doing right here, but also in heaven as well. Uh, he is at work. And uh, he, he highlights, uh, and, and I'm, sure, I'm sure the king, knowing this, was, was just overwhelmed by what he saw, right? By what he saw, because he says, he ends his uh, little section here, he says, he who saved Daniel from the power of the lions. And literally the, the picture of the hands of the lions. You know, you picture, if you've ever seen a, a lion eat, you know, now that's good, good television right there. By, by the way, you just puts, you know, puts their paw on them and they're just tearing in it. And it says that Daniel's God even saved Daniel from the hands or the, from the lions, their work that they were about to do. This is what Darius saw. This is what he saw uh, in the life of Daniel. And, and the, the, the chapter ends with this. It says, so, so this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Um, there's your prosperity gospel right there, right there. You know, Daniel prospered. And what, what you need to think about is this. When you think of prosperity, uh, most of the time we think of driving a big fancy car, having gold jewelry hanging from our neck, you know. Uh, you imagine Pastor Kevin showing up with a big old gold necklace with a medallion or something. I wouldn't unbutton my shirt or anything, but I'm just saying it's hanging there. But um, so that's what we think of as prosperity. We think of getting everything that we want. And you have to look at the life of Daniel and you realize that he didn't get everything that he wanted. He didn't get to live where he wanted to live. He didn't get to a choice of jobs, right? He had some great jobs, but there was always pressure. He didn't get to be near his family, right? We, we see these things and we realize that it wasn't that everything was perfect for Daniel, but because of God's hand on his life, he prospered in what he did. And so as we look at that, we can see that D Daniel, that God was involved in Daniel's days, his life from start to finish. We see that uh, it goes through during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And I'll just tell you this, that under Cyrus, Cyrus was the one where the captivity ended. And you have really the books of Nehemiah and Ezra beginning right after that. Uh, that they, Cyrus was the one who allowed the people, the captives, to go back. But you see in Daniel, really, his whole adult life, his whole adult life uh, was spent uh, in Babylon. So now I want to turn. I, I want to turn, and I have a list of, uh, like I said, a longer list of how to get ready. How do, I, how do I get ready for what is to come, whatever is to come, what, tough days ahead? How do I get ready? And I, I have some things I want to share with you. And as we look at the book of Daniel thus far, these six chapters, I think there's some very distinct things that can apply to our situation right now. Uh, and so I want to plow through these this morning. The first one is this. How, how do we get ready? Uh, maybe for climate change or food shortage or the end of the republic or lawlessness or medical implosion or e economic collapse. How do we get ready for those things? Um, I want to tell you that uh, because we don't know what's happening, we need to think through 
how do we just be a ready person? How do we ready ourselves for whatever? This is what we're talking about this morning. So the first thing is this. Get ready when you're young. Get ready when you're young. We have some young people here. And when I say young people, I'll just consider anyone 20s or down. Some of you can't even see 20s, right? You can't, it's so long ago you've forgotten about it. But 20s and down. I want to encourage you. How do you prepare for what is to come? When you're young, by the way, uh, if you really think about it, sometimes you can be frozen by the future, right? You, you, there's too much information and uh, adults are telling you, you got to worry about climate change. And you say, oh, that sounds dumb. Why should I worry about that? Everything's going to happen. And, the, you know, California is going to fall into the sea. And uh, uh, there are not going to be any crops anymore. And there's no more food. And, and climate change. And it's going to be terrible. And you go, that does sound terrible. I shouldn't leave my house because of bad things that are going to happen. When you're in your 20s or younger, sometimes you can get frozen about the future. I want to tell you, now is not the time to look at the future and get frozen. Now is the time to prepare for the future, to prepare. Now, uh, I'm going to come back to you 20s and younger. Uh, Those of you who are 30 and above, 30 and above. If you are 30 and above, I want to tell you this. Help the young get ready. Help the young get ready. May it be your passion. May may it be uh, your priority on your things to do. May may you look at the younger ones in your life and say, I need to get them ready. Where does this come from? Well, uh, as you see in the first couple of chapters of the book of Daniel, you see Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And there were, th- those two chapters are like 15 to 20, okay? 15 to 20. And somehow, somehow, whatever had gone on before then, God had prepared those young men to stand up to the ruler of the known world. And say, we're, we're not going to bow to the idol. We're not going to eat the food. We're, we're not, they were ready somehow. And I, I want to tell you, it doesn't say this anywhere in the Scripture. There had to have been some adult, most likely his parents, many times a mom, who had made sure her sons and daughters were ready for anything. And I want to tell you, it's time when you're young. I think so often we look at youth as being a time to waste. I want to tell you, it's not a time to waste. It's not. Uh, and, And for you parents, you know, by the time your kids hit teenage years some of you say well we'll get them next year no you won't get them next year you get them this year you get these opportunities today and only today and so you you give yourself to their preparation daniel and his friends were somehow ready and what they were ready with we see in daniel's life it served him for a lifetime you see, you know, what we're looking at here is this, to ride a bike, right? You say, when you ride a bike, it's like riding a bike. You never forget, right? 
I, I wouldn't suggest it for most of us who are older to jump on a bike and say, I haven't done this in years. But, but it's the idea that you learned something when you were young and it served you a lifetime. In Daniel's life, you see this, that he was serving the Lord in his teens. And at the end of his life, in his 80s, he was still serving that same God with those same uh, disciplines and habits. We'll get to those. So get ready when you are young. And for those of you who are not young, help the young get ready. Number two, learn the answers and make them your own. Learn the answers and make them your own. What I mean by that is this. Uh, Know the scriptures. Know the scriptures. Uh, This book uh, is meant for life. It's a, it's a book meant for life. Uh, it's not a trivial pursuit book. It's not e- even a book to be tested on, per se. See how many right answers you can get. It's a book that's meant to transform your life, and so you need to know what it says. You need to. And so there's this, this passion in life as you're young, but throughout your life is to know what God has said. I think so often we, we look at the, the knowing of Scripture as something that's, uh, when I have time, when I have time. Uh, yeah, I'm not really interested in that stuff right now. Maybe I'll be interested in it later. I want to tell you that what we do to prepare is to learn the answers now, that we would make them our own. And when I say make them our own, that we would be trained by them in such a way that it's not just what the Bible says. It's what I know to be true because I know the scriptures. Learn the answers. Make them your own. Number three, uh, depend on him in prayer for everything. Depend on him in prayer for everything. It says of Daniel that he prayed three times a day. Uh, when you pray once a month, it's hard to get everything in, right? But when you pray three times a day, what are you talking to him about? Well, you're, you're worshiping him. You're going over his attributes and his kindness and thanking him. And you're going through your day and you're going through your issues of life. And, and you're praying about everything, right? Because you have time to do it because you're spending the time and, and you're reflecting and, and looking at your relationship and building that. I want to tell you, that's the way to be prepared. What happens? Now, let me be specific. What happens uh, when you have to go to the hospital? What do you do? Well, you freak out first, right? That's most of our uh, knee-jerk reaction, right? It's a good time to freak out, so I'm going to do it. Um, But we should pray, and it should be the natural uh, thing of our life. It's not something we learn when one of our family members goes to the hospital. It's something that we learn in the day in and day out of life that we might trust Him in all things. We're kind of developing this as we go through this list, but it's all about trusting Him and not the other stuff. It's not yourself, it's not your country, it's not your family, it's not your money, it's not your education, it's not anything else. It's trusting Him with the days of life. No matter what happens in the days ahead. Depend on Him in prayer for everything. Number four, 
serve, give, and share. Serve, give, and share. That's how you prepare uh, for tough days. In the good times or today, that we would be serving, giving, and sharing. Right? And you say, well, why is that? Well, because if we're not serving, giving, and sharing, we're selfish and proud. And the Bible warns us against being selfish and proud. And what happens during tough times when you're a selfish and proud person? You become more so. You say, you know, I, I can't serve, give, share. You know why? Because it's all about me right now. It's tough times. Who cares about anybody else? Now is the time for me. Self-preservation. Survival of the fittest. I want to tell you, uh, if you don't learn to serve, give, and share, as God has done for us in the good times, you won't do it in the tough times. You won't. You'll turn inward, and you will grab at life for yourself. Which, by the way, um, yeah, well, let's just move on. i got to get through this list. Um, number five, number five, fellowship. Fellowship. The need for partners. The need for partners. Well, why do we come to church? Well, to make ourselves feel good. Because I did all these dumb things this last week, and I feel guilty for them. Uh, n- no, no. Uh, hopefully there is a sense of like there's a refreshment to your soul of coming even if you had a bad week, even if you struggled with sin, and there's encouragement to that. But the why, why we come together, by the way, you can find better preaching, Bible study online. You can. You can. Uh, sometimes for nothing, right? You just have to look at their dumb ads. Uh, uh, you, you can find that all online. So it's not just the preaching and the study of God's Word. It's, it, is a, it is an event. I want you to be here. It is an event what we're doing right now. We're communicating one to another. But what we're doing here is we are fellowshipping. We are living life. We are connecting with one another. E- even if it's just simply to smile at one another, there's an acknowledgement that you have a life and I have a life, and it seems like, but if you see tears, what do you say? Oh, what's going on? How can I pray for you, right? How's your week? What's going on? How are your kids doing? Oh, you don't want to talk about it, huh? Maybe we should talk about it, right? And, and there's this thing that we're, we're living life together. We're fellowshipping. You are not meant to be alone. Some of you moved up here to be alone. You did. You couldn't stand those people in L.A. I hate to tell you, you were one of them. (laughs) Right? You said, I got to get away. I got to get away. And and some of you, like, (laughs) you thought through and you told your realtor, I don't want to be able to see my neighbors. And we have some homes like that up here, don't we? It might have been a tactical error for you to go for it, too. But uh, anyways, you think about this. You say, I don't want to be with people. I want to tell you, you were designed to be with people. From marriage, the partnership of marriage, but even from there, this, this idea of fellowship that God has his people to come together, to be together. And you know what? I'll tell you this. I'll give you a little secret. The more you're with people, the better it is for you. 
You, you want to stay in your home, in your room, in your backyard, you know, counting your flowers or the bunnies or talking to your dog. Like, I want to tell you, that's all fine and good and stuff like that, but God wants you to be with people, God's people, their strength. I want to tell you, if you look at the book of Daniel, there were the three friends in Daniel. Uh, th- there was a fellowship there. There was a fellowship there. Th- there was a, a, a strength there. And, and especially I look at that second chapter and I wonder, like there might have been like 10, 20,000 people all bowing at one time. And these three dummies standing there sticking out. And everyone going, what are those guys doing? But there was fellowship in the three, right? We need people. And I want to encourage you, if you're going to be prepared for the days ahead, you're going to have people in your life who love you, who care for you, who walk with you, who know Christ. They don't know Christ. You got to keep looking, right? It's not that you can't be friends with them. It's not that you can't share a meal here and there, right? But if you're going to depend on them in tough times, I want to tell you, they don't have the resources for you. You need fellowship. We have a need for partners. I want to tell you, it's not an option. It's not an option. It's a necessity. Um, Number six, know the God of Daniel. Know the God of Daniel. And what I mean by know the God of Daniel, know what he's like. Know what he's like. And I'll just point you back. We just looked at Darius, his description. That's the God of Daniel. That's what he looks like. That's how he acts. That's his resource. That's what Darius said. It's interesting. Uh, in chapter 5, Belshazzar was uh, the king, and he was at this party, and he was doing whatever he wanted to do. And, and what happened? What happened? There was a hand writing on the wall, and he goes, Oh, no, what am I going to do? I've had too many, and I don't know what's going on, and it's scary, and I don't know what to do, and nobody knows how to read this. You know what? Uh, king Nebuchadnezzar's wife, one of his wives comes and says, there's a guy, Daniel. There's a guy, Daniel. And somehow God's with him. Somehow God's at work in his life. She knew. She knew. You talk about Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 2. This is what he said. He said, truly your God is a God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries. For you have been able to reveal this mystery to me. That's what he said in Daniel. He knew, he knew. Nebuchadnezzar knew. You you move on in in the book of Daniel chapter 3, and uh, Nebuchadnezzar says this about, uh, he says, uh, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel to deliver his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's law, his command, and yielded up their bodies rather than to serve and worship any god except their own god. In Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar says again, How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. That sounds a lot like Darius. You know why? Because Darius saw the same God. He saw the same God. And I want to tell you, um, you should be studying God. That's theology. Yeah, don't, Don't say the word theology. It makes you sound like a geek. Okay, but you you study God, you you study him as a person and you you consider his attributes, the things that he's like, how he works. And as you do that, that will give you confidence 
and trust for the days ahead, even if they're tough, even if they're tough. I move on. So we study God. Um, Number seven, fear God, not the cost. Fear God, not the cost. We're always doing a math problem and asking, is it worth it? Uh, We're always asking the question, uh, you know, what's it going to cost me? How How do I fit it in? How do I get everything that I want? and still have God. Uh, that, that's kind of the math problem we're always doing. And I, I want to encourage you that we set apart God as the only one to be feared, even as Darius saw. Fear God, not the cost. Don't respond to pressure or inconvenience. Don't respond to pressure or inconvenience. We've been talking about uh, the church up in Canada, Grace Life Church, and Pastor Coates, and... Um, they're literally an underground church in Canada now. They're literally there. They're, they, they don't publicize where they meet. You know, I, I don't know if they have a, a door where they knock and you have to knock three times before you're let in. I don't know. They, I don't know how they're communicating and I don't know how, how their church. They're literally an underground church. And some of you say, well, if it's an underground church, I'm not going. Because I kind of like the cushy pews. I kind of like, you know, the, the band playing at full strength. What if we can't play the band at full strength? Not a lot of basements around here, right? And you say, well, what if, what if we have to come at 5 o'clock in the morning? I'm not a morning person. Please have fellowship time with good coffee, okay? Um, you, we, we think about convenience. We think about what it's going to cost. And I want to tell you, you have to get to the place where you're like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, and others who said, I don't care what the cost is. It's already decided. It's already decided that we would not uh, respond to pressure or inconvenience. I want to tell you, I don't don't want to talk too much about this because I sound like a kook sometimes when I do, but um, what happens if, uh, you know, you... You get a card, you get a card that says you can shop because you were vaccinated. And you say, well, it's not a big deal. It's just a shot. Yeah, okay. Actually, it's two, but uh, depending on which one you get. But uh, you get a card and then you, you, can, you can go shopping. You say, well, good. You know, I, I've got my shots. So I'll go get vaccinated. Good. Okay, fine. Uh, what happens? What happens in the days ahead? That's going to be a long time. Maybe. Maybe not. Uh, where they start separating and they determine a group, a group of people in the great states of the United States, uh, they determine a particular group is a hate group. And it's, it's Christians. And so you have to have a card for that or you have to have some identification. And, and you can't shop at Home Depot or Walmart without that card saying that you're not a Christian. It would be a non-Christian card. Uh, some of you say, can't live without Walmart. You know, I love Walmart, you know. But roll back the prices, I love them, right? You know, cheap junk there. I can spend a lot of money and get a lot of junk. What happens? What happens? And I want to tell you, you got to get fixed in your mind. I, I, I don't care what it costs. I don't care about inconvenience. I'm going to fear God, not the cost or the payment that I have to pay. 
to put him in some second place, third place. It doesn't really matter what place he's in if he's not in first place. Which moves us to number eight. And I would say it this way. Uh, to get developed in you an even-if sort of living. Remember back to uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what they said uh, to Nebuchadnezzar? They said, our God is able to save us. He's able to save us. But even if, but even if, even if I have to pay the ultimate price, I'm not bowing to your idol. I'm not bowing to the God that you made. I don't care what laws you've made. But even if, even if the worst possible scenario, I I won't bow. You got to develop that uh, to prepare for the days ahead. That was number eight. And even if sort of living. I want to encourage you to learn to speak about it. This sort of living, even to your own soul. I know sometimes as a parent, you want to tell your kids big and important things. Uh, Tell it to yourself first, right? Tell it to yourself first. Rehearse it in your mind. I'm I'm not doing that. It doesn't matter. Even if this happens, even if this happens, even if this happens, I am not going to do that. And then teach your kids to do that. Speak it to the people that you fellowship with, your, your extended family, people who agree with you and don't. It doesn't matter what the cost, even if. Um, I will not, uh, I'll develop that in my life, this even if sort of living. Number nine. Uh, Yeah, we're doing fine. Uh, uh, Number nine, train your mind to think biblically about everything. About everything. Uh, You you should be trained, ready. It's not just knowing the scriptures. It's not just even being able to say the scriptures. But to work it out. How does this work out? How does this work out with my parenting? How does this work out with my job? How does this work out with my eating habits? How does this work out with uh, the, the days ahead? How I look at value? How does this work out with money? How does this work out with my schedule? To think biblically about everything. I, I want to tell you that most of the time when tough times come, you don't have time to think. Um, in, in sports, they talk about, you know, it's, it's a fancy way to say that you practice a lot, but uh, it says uh, muscle memory, right? Muscle memory. And what that is, it's that you've done it so many times that even without thinking, when the, the opportunity arises, you do it. When you don't have time to think, you do the right thing because you've done it so many times before. I want to tell you, that's the way we should be with the scriptures, that's the way, I think of this, I've told, told this story before, but I, I remember being in seminary, and uh, uh, what, what, one of my good friends, one of my good friends, like, this is a guy, you know, I shared time with, we went on trips together, he's in seminary with me, and he comes up to me, and he says, he says, uh, hey, do you have five bucks that I can have? And you know what I did? I said, for what? And another seminary student walked by, heard our conversation, and he opened his wallet and he handed him 10. And what that revealed to me was I was in the habit of being cheap, even with people that I loved. And, and that other dude, I don't know if he had any money. Maybe it was last. I don't know. But he just went, bam, bam. He didn't think about it. 
Because he thought to himself, this is who I am. This is what I do. I've already thought about it. I want to tell you, that's where we need to be for tough times ahead. We need to be ready to do the right thing. We need to get ready. That was number nine. Uh, Train your mind to think biblically about everything. Spiritual muscle memory. Number 10. Getting there. Number 10. Um, I, I, I want to encourage you. This is just for us now, okay? This is what we should be thinking about now. Concern yourself with your circles. And what I mean by that is this. Who are you supposed to concern yourself with? Uh, n- not the world. Not the world. Don't, don't be so concerned about what's going on in Kenya, Moscow, uh, Beijing, uh, the Middle East. Don't, don't concern yourself so much. With, like some of us spend, oh, I can't go to sleep. There's just so many crazy things going on in the world. Concern yourself with the crazy things that are going on in your house, with your wife, with your kids. It's interesting. Uh, the, the Bible's pretty clear that you're supposed to take care of your family. It even has some connections with the widow, right? And who's supposed to take care of the widow? Some of you are going to go, the church! And I want to say, no! It's only if they don't have family, right? And really, even if they have served faithfully, right? That that, that comes as a secondary thing that the church would take care of widows. Family is. Some of you are saying, oh, I hope my kids are going to take care of me, <laughs> you know? Hey, that relationship needs to be there ahead of time, right? You take care of them now, they're going to take care of you later. This is how this thing works. They, they know the scriptures, right? If, you, if you've trained them in the scriptures, they'll, they'll know that, right? And there's this connection. I want to tell you, your circles go like this. Your family, your extended family, the church, your community, it's all right here. It's all right here. And pray that God would give you wisdom to know how much to involve yourself in that right how to what degree and there's always going to be more needs than you can fulfill number 11 number 11 we're going to get through all 12 here uh develop in your heart your soul the stubborn old guy perseverance develop in your soul the stubborn old guy perseverance and what i mean by that is this uh, have you ever tried to change the mind of an old guy? <laughs> you know, a lot of them just turn their hearing aid down and smile and nod, right? Right? And they're, they're, they're already convinced, right? And, and they already have this persevering thing. This is what I do. This is what I do. I, I, I'm a creature of habit. I've been doing this so long. I, I, I'm... I'm going to do it till I die. And what was that for Daniel? It was his spiritual habits, right? He wasn't up for sale in his 80s. Didn't seem like he was up for sale in his, when he was 15 either. But I want to tell you that, that that gets more stubborn as the years go on in a good way. Some of you are stubborn in the wrong way, right? I won't point fingers or anything. This doesn't necessarily just have to be an old guy thing can be some of you vintage ladies as well. Uh, 
But I, I want to encourage you when it comes to spiritual things, things that matter, your, your convictions, your relationship before the Lord, I want to tell you, be stubborn about those things. Be persevering. Be, be convinced, I will make it by God's grace to the end. Faithfully standing with Him. And then lastly, most importantly, number 12, the gospel. The gospel. I, I, I want to tell you, you can't be ready for what comes ahead without it. You can't, you can't be ready for what comes in the future without Jesus. You can't be ready without him. Jesus came because God loved us so much. He, he came to not just live a perfect life, but that was the sacrifice. That was the, the lamb preparation. He was perfect. He went to the cross for sinners. He was the only one who could do it. And apart from you trusting in him, you're not prepared for anything. You're not prepared for anything. That we would trust in Jesus. Um, some of us, as we raise kids, we go, man, we've got to prepare them for the future. You know, it's a change in time. They need to be ready. We need to, uh, you know, make sure they can get a job after they go to school so they can pr- provide for their family. It's important. They need to know how to read, do math, all the STEM stuff. I think that's what it's called. But uh, uh, they, they need to do stuff. We, we need to prepare them, and we need to teach them to work, and we need to teach them to do finances, and we need to teach them to obey, and we need to teach them to do this and that. We need to get them great medical care. We need to vaccinate them. We need to do this. We need to do that. And I want to tell you, nothing is worth it if they don't know Jesus. And for you to think in your own mind, I cannot be prepared without Jesus, nor can my kids. There's no preparation. It's funny about being prepared. I was telling somebody this this week. Um, You know, I I have a generator at my house, so when the power goes out, I got it. Uh, But you know about my generator? It's powered by gas. So if the power goes out and the gas stations don't work, I got, I got two jugs worth, right? <laughs> I got two jugs worth. And some of you are going, you know, uh, uh, but I got a solar panel and stuff like that. And I said, yeah, that, that might be, you know, they talked about volcanoes and locusts and various other things, blacking out the sky. What if you don't have, like, there's a million different things that you can, I want to tell you. You can only be so far prepared for the stuff of this life, but I want to tell you, if you know Jesus Christ, you're prepared for anything that is to come. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this morning, uh, the blessings from your scripture. I thank you for Daniel and what his life was and that you caused him to record this, that we might gain courage and strength and understand more about you. God, we know we can trust you. And God, we we live in a shaky world, shaky world, Um, much more shaky than we'd like to admit. Uh, God, you know, we struggle with those things because we're used to certainty and uh, the only certain thing is you. God, help us to trust in you daily. Help us to recite the gospel to ourselves, not that we would be saved again and again, but that we would go back to that right answer, our stability, our strength, our purpose. Our certainty for the future is in you. 
God, we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.